sermon scripture today comes from the book of Ruth. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, I need to seek some security for you, so that it may be well with you. Now here is our kinsman Boaz, with whose young women you have been working. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Now wash and anoint yourself, and put on your best clothes, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. She said to her, All that you tell me, I will do. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When they came together, the Lord made her conceive, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a next of kin, and may his name be renowned in all Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and the nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. (laughs) I have daughters, sorry. (laughs) Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became his nurse. The women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They called him Obed. He became the father of Jesse, the father of David. So our text today is sort of a highlight from the end of the book of Ruth. It's the climactic plan for redemption of a houseless immigrant woman and her elderly mother-in-law, and then the epilogue where we find out that through this redemption, the kingdom of Israel is established in King David. I really love the book of Ruth. It's only four chapters. It's a great, quick read. It's got great characters, good history, and some witty dialogue. I've been married to a woman for 28 years. I have daughters. My dearest old friend since I was 19 as a woman and the closest relationship that I have with any relative is my sister. So women are my favorite. (laughs) I'm a big fan of Ruth. When Derek texted me asking if I would preach, right after I verified he in fact knew he was not messaging with Chuck, he sent me the lectionary and I was really happy to see I could preach on this. From what I've researched, the authorship of Ruth is somewhat up for debate Jewish tradition says that it was written by the prophet Samuel, but there's this genealogical section at the end that couldn't have been written by Samuel. So many say that it was written during the exile, but of the explanations that I read, the most plausible seems that the book of Ruth was an oral history, likely a poem that was then written down in the generations during the exile. The story takes place during the period of Judges, when Israelites had come from Egypt to the Promised Land and conquered all the local Canaanite tribes and established homes for themselves. Israel had no king yet and struggled through ups and downs with judges from Joshua to Gideon, Deborah, and finally Samson. 
Our main characters are Ruth, a Moabite woman, her mother-in-law, Naomi, who incidentally changes her name to Mara at one point in the story, and finally an Israelite man named Boaz. The story opens up with a man named Elimelech from Bethlehem taking his wife, Naomi, and their two sons temporarily to Moab. Times were hard in Bethlehem. There was a famine on, and Elimelech wanted to do the best thing for his family by moving them to where life seemed more promising. One can infer that life had been hard in Bethlehem for some time. The two sons, Chilion and Malon, their names actually translate to wasting and sickness, respectively. Spoiler alert, those two do not make it to chapter four. <laughs> so shortly after the move to Moab, Elimelech dies, and now Naomi is left a widow, but with two sons. This is an important distinction because a widow would have fallen on hard times very quickly, but the mother of two sons at least had a chance at redemption. Now, Naomi's two sons take wives from the Moabite tribes, Orpah and, of course, Ruth. After about 10 years in Moab, Naomi's sons pass away as well, leaving her a widow now with no sons and no chance. The daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, commit to staying with Naomi initially, even on the journey back to Bethlehem. Naomi urges them to go home, saying, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house, she says. Then Naomi prays a blessing over them that each of them may find rest with a husband. There's some back and forth between the three where Orpah finally heeds Naomi's advice. And Ruth famously says in chapter 1, verse 16, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. So the two head across the Dead Sea back to Bethlehem, where they can at least be among Elimelech's family, and Naomi can hope for more kindness than she would have been shown in Moab. And it's back in Bethlehem where this week's text picks up. Naomi and Ruth, two childless, houseless widows, arrive back in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. And now the timing is no small thing. Naomi would have known what time of year it was, and that it, under Levitican law, they would have a right to pick up scraps of grain from the harvest. Leviticus 23:22 states, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the edges of your field, nor gather the gleaning of your harvest. You are to leave them for the poor and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So Ruth straightway sets out to glean from the fields in order to feed herself and her mother-in-law. So I want to pause just a moment and really take in what gleaning may have meant, what that would have been like. It would have been hot, late summer work, like baling hay in August, if you've ever done that. Or maybe like pulling weeds all day in a tomato patch. And gleaning barley would have been mostly picking up little seeds from the dirt. When you got lucky, maybe a, a head of grain. And Ruth would not have been out there by herself. There would have been other needy, hungry people to compete for the same scraps. On top of that, 
While the law gave the gleaners the right to be in the field, it did not require the reapers to be kind to them. When Boaz, the owner of the field, finds out who Ruth is, he gives the reapers, his servants, very specific instructions on how she's to be treated. Do not touch her, do not insult her, and do not rebuke her. I think this informs on how gleaners would have otherwise been treated and how courageous Ruth would have been to even begin this work. The scenario doesn't sound too different from what a houseless person might experience today while trying to gather food to keep from starving. And remember, she was an immigrant. She may have looked different, would have almost certainly sounded different when she spoke, and likely dressed differently. Now, as a male that looks like this in the United States of America, I never experience being the outsider, ever. I'm incredibly privileged, I know that, but one day 20 years ago, I got a small idea of what it means to be the other. Chinle, Arizona, you can look it up on your phones, is in the far-flung northeastern part of the state on the Navajo Nation. It's about 4,000 people with one main intersection and free-range horses that wander up and down next to the road. Over 70% of the households in the Chinle area identify Navajo as the language spoken at home. Chinle sprung up as a town because the U.S. government built a boarding school there for native children in 1910, and the BIA essentially ran the town until the 1980s. Well, in 2001, I was on a work trip there, and a colleague and I stopped into the Burger King for lunch. Chinle has one fast food joint, that Burger King sits across the road from the school, and you can imagine how packed that place was at 12.15 on a school day. Well, I looked around, and my friend Scott and I were the only ones in the place who looked and sounded like us. Now, don't get me wrong. We were never in danger. We didn't suffer any ill treatment. I can never claim to understand what discrimination or racial profiling is like. But in that moment, I was very much the other. And if you have never experienced it like I hadn't until then, that's unsettling. But more than anything, what I came away with is how so many people live their whole lives like that, as the outsider. How courageous that is and how much faith it takes to get up every day and take that on. And the fact that people choose that life as immigrants is inspiring to me. And that's what Ruth did for the love of Naomi. So back to our story. What we find out is that God has led Ruth straight to the field of Boaz, one of Elimelech's close relatives, who by law had rights to his dead cousin's property and the responsibility to his wives. Boaz has been very kind to Ruth, knowing how she cared for Naomi, his cousin's widow, and insists that she only glean in his field where he can protect her. He shares a meal with her, even sends her home with extra grain for Naomi. When Ruth returns to Naomi with this news, she's thrilled. To understand, this redemption could quite literally save Naomi's life. So Ruth continues to glean in Boaz's fields every day of the harvest until one day, Naomi gives Ruth these instructions on what takes place in our text. 
Now, I did some research, and there is some discussion on this whole uncover his feet. This may be a euphemism for another act, which according to some scholars would not have been inappropriate since the two were already married under God's law. It may also be literal. Uncover his feet so he'll get cold and wake up and find you at his feet. Either way, this was essentially a proposal of marriage from Ruth to Boaz. Boaz accepts Ruth's proposal and through some wiliness of his own is able to garner hers and Naomi's redemption along with a plot of land from another of Elimelech's cousins to settle the matter once and for all. So it's a great story. It's got strong character development, plot twists, and sympathetic characters. It's really only missing a good car chase. But so what? Why is it in the Bible? It's all because of this epilogue portion in chapter 4, this part that you could miss if you didn't read the whole thing. Ruth is the great-grandmother of King David, the redeemer of Israel. I'll say it again. Ruth, the houseless immigrant widow, the lowest of the low, through courage, perseverance, faith, and love, becomes the foundation for the house of Israel, the house of David. And I'll go one further. The Redeemer of the world, Jesus Christ himself, in the line of David, enters the world by way of the womb of a houseless immigrant. And we only know this now through hindsight and perspective. Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, they didn't know anything about it. They simply acted out of courage, love, kindness, and generosity to bring it about. So what about us? Day to day, we have choices to make without the benefit of hindsight and perspective, just like Ruth and Boaz. How do we respond? Will we be courageous? Will we respond with kindness and generosity? What will we do when faced with the elderly widow with nowhere left to turn? Will we love her? What choices will we make when the houseless immigrant arrives in our neighborhood looking for food or at our border looking for redemption? Will we be courageous and generous? We just never know the impact we could have. Thanks again for tuning in to the Douglas Boulevard Christian Church Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate the podcast on iTunes, retweet the link, or just tell your friends. Godspeed until next time on the Douglas Boulevard Christian Church Podcast.